Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. This is Jeff Mitchell. I am, as always, joined by my friend Jeremy Clark and Daniel Southern. We're going to get ready here on this eve of second National Signing Day to dig into the Frogs 2019 class. Frogs got a big commit tonight here. It's Tuesday night, as well as held on to a very important commit this last weekend. We'll dig into that. Junior Day, so we got 2020 kids. you got to learn a whole new set of names. Then, unfortunately, we'll talk a little basketball. That and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, before we dig into everything, uh, fellas, you doing well tonight? Outstanding. Outstanding. How is the weather up there or down there in Parker County? You guys uh, enjoying the 70-degree weather? Yeah, it's nice. I enjoy a nice uh, 70 degrees, you know, not snowing, not freezing. Uh, how's it up there? Well, let's see here. Uh, Wednesday, it, the wind chill was 59 below. Thursday, the wind chill was 51 below. And then, our, finally, uh, when it got up to just negative 20, all my pipes froze. We oh. lost power on multiple occasions. I had our heater furnace go out in the middle of the night. I woke up and it had dropped about 35 degrees in the house. Oh, uh, we were bundled up under blankets. So I was scared. Jeremy wrote me and said, hey, can you write a quick story? And I'm like... Uh, yeah, if I get my power back, I'd be more than welcome to do that. Otherwise, I'm punching it out on my phone with my thumb. So uh, it stinks here. I finally got my water back. Our furnace is working, and it is a balmy 21 with freezing rain right now. So it's a it's a really good day up here in suburban Chicago. But all that's changing because I'm moving to Memphis. A little better weather. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know. You wrote me, Jeremy, and I felt bad. I'm like, uh, I'd love to do that, but I don't have any power. Well, so. I wrote you because I figured you were getting cabin fever. Yes. I did, yeah, I didn't. You know, they build the houses different up there than they, than they do down here. You <laughs> know, my, my my pipes, my my hot water heater pipes froze up when it was like you know the first day of fourteen degrees. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's that's how it is down here. But um, yeah, I figured you got to be having some cabin fever by now. And I think it was when the uniforms came out and. Yes, Literally, that's what it was. That's what it was. After yeah. it came out, I got a message from one of our national guys saying, "Hey, I'll I'll write something real quick on that." And that was like two minutes after you said that the power went out. So I figured, you know what? That's an omen. It's uh, yep. let, let Jeff stay continue to 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 be bundled up underneath the blankets. Yeah, I was going to have to start burning books. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> in order to stay warm, <laughs> I was like, oh, what do I what do I burn here? Uh, what what do I start keeping warm with? But finally, it, it it started to come back on. But I was envious of you all, and I, I got to tell you, I checked the weather every day in Memphis, and it was sixty eight, and it was seventy, and I'm like, next winter I won't I won't even need a shovel. So hopefully, I'll be I'll be getting some of that southern weather here pretty soon when I move down there at the end of March. But yeah, it's brutal here, and it and it and the the, the part that sucked was it melted, and then all that snow just like starts flowing into everywhere. My yard got muddy, our driveway got covered with mud. It, it was just a mess. But all right, that's enough of the weather channel, and uh, you guys taking delight in the suffering of your of your co-host. We'll we'll <laughs> move forward here. <laughs> uh well, before we dig into recruiting, there's some some rumors breaking on the internet uh, about a certain university named after maybe or maybe not one of our co-hosts. Uh, Daniel, what do you think about Southern Miss possibly hiring your your second favorite coach out there, Art Bryles? Um, what, what do you think about a major institution of higher learning hiring Art Bryles, bringing him over from Europe to come back and coach the offense at Southern Miss? Well. First, it is actually named after my family. Uh, it's not a directional school, um, just just so everyone knows. So that is, yeah, that's part. Of it. It's my name in Mississippi. So, <clears throat> yeah. So it's actually a better. It's not. Yeah. Anyway, however, ha- having you know a bloodline connection to this institution of higher learning, as as it was said, bringing. Art Bryles, first of all, bringing him back to North America is bad enough. But <laughs> you're, you're a hardline on immigration on this issue alone, correct? <laughs> yes, his citizenship was renounced as soon as he left, as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. Art Bryles has his own personal wall. That's right. He wants a wall for Art Bryles only. <laughs> I love it. 
<laughs> yeah, it has to do with an ankle bracelet and a whistle. And anyway, um, so I, this is the first I'm learning it. I've, I've been my head's in the sand on these things, things this last couple of weeks. I'm doing other things, but when this was brought to my attention. Art Briles coming, first of all, coming back. Now, becoming to Southern Miss, what are they thinking? I mean, he couldn't get a job in Canada. Had to go all the way to Italy in Florence. Um, <laughs> what? A, who's allowing this? And and you and and I didn't know. I, I made this joke pre-show. Was I was wondering when the news was actually announced. I was wondering if they waited for that. Uh, the speech Trump gave to kind of slide that one in Baylor style, you know, <laughs> kind of under the radar. And yeah, we're uh, in the middle of the state of the union as we record this. So it's a great time for a news dump. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, Oh, by the way, Art Briles coming to Southern Miss, but don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. So anyway, no, that's, I'm really surprised. And it, I, once word spreads of that, I can't imagine not having a massive backlash, you know, Amongst the uh, masses, even in Mississippi, even in Mississippi. So, yeah. man, we. I also mentioned, man, if you're a longtime Frog fan like I am, think about the trajectory of those those two programs since we became conference mates in 2001, where Southern Miss is still still in Conference USA, which is not what it used to be. Conference used to. What the American Athletic Conference is now is what Conference USA used to be. You know, it was TCU, it was Louisville, it was Southern Miss. Those were some good programs. And then, you know, Southern Miss has just kind of flatlined in these last 15, 18 years. So um, I'm, I'd much better, be, much better be a frog that has a good offensive coordinator with lots of integrity than Art Bryles as your offensive coordinator who is absent of integrity. So I think that's kind of a, a pretty good summary statement there. Well, let's get into what everybody talked on this show to listen to. It was probably not us throwing brows under the bus or listening to my basement. I learned about my basement flooding with with uh, water from the from the snow in the polar vortex. Let's talk a little recruiting, Jeremy. The frogs landed a big commit tonight. It looks like this is the last commit to to round out the the 2019 classes. We're on the eve of. You're probably listening to this on National Signing Day. Tell us a little bit about the commitment that the frogs got tonight. That was a good one. I mean, he had been committed. Keon Stewart out of Galena Park North Shore um, helped his team win the Class 6A Division One State Championship. Uh, they, uh, if anyone didn't see that game, that was one of the, the best games you'll ever see. One in the last seconds on a Hail Mary by North Shore to beat Duncanville. I still got Reginald Sample's uh, reaction in my head. That poor guy, the head coach. Poor guy. Poor, oh. poor guy. Um, but no, I mean, Keon was a guy that I saw last summer. He came up to TCU, uh, and and I think they were going to be pretty close to offering him even last summer. He he came up, he ran a really good 40, but when he ran his 40, he pulled his hamstring, so he didn't really have a chance to work out. And that's one thing that if you play defensive back uh, and you're truly getting evaluated by uh, TCU, particularly Gary Patterson, you got to run in front of him. You got to turn your hips. You got to show – um, how you move side to side, how you cover one-on-one, how you play on an island. And he really didn't get that opportunity to do that. But, you know, over the course of his senior year, he had a really good year, gained some weight. He's listed at 160 on our profile, but he's actually closer to 175 now. Uh, and, and TC really came on the last, I guess, about toward the end of December uh, and, and really started showing him some interest. They brought him up for an official visit first weekend of January and obviously offered them. Actually, it was the 18th, not the not the first week, but January, the weekend of January 18th. Offered them, and, and they immediately became the favorite. And he actually committed, as I posted on the board, uh, when TCU had an in-home visit with him, with, with, with him and uh, Paul Gonzalez was there, Zarnell Fitch, and, and of course, Coach P. He actually committed to them that night, but still took visits out to, to Louisville and, and Texas Tech this past weekend. But Huge pickup. I, I really like it. I, if you watch his film, he, he just makes plays. His ranking's not uh, really justified to, to where he is as a player. As a player, uh, I, I think personally he could be ranked higher, but it, it's a steal. I think he's he's someone with one to two years of development underneath the TCU coaches that he can develop into a Jeff Gladney type player, a guy uh, become a guy that can 
really shut down one side of the field and 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 really take take away an opponent's best receiver. But that's the kind of ability he has. And again, the the coaches just did a, a fantastic job of closing out this class, landing him. And as you mentioned in your question about ten minutes ago, he is the last uh, commitment for the class. They're not going to take anyone else, and that's done. It's a, it's over. Yeah, so the class is rounded out. We, we were able to land Stewart tonight. This weekend really locked up, uh, you know, one of the jewels of this class, which is one of the top two running backs in the state. Both the other, you know, the other one committed to TC with Foster from Wichita Falls. Darwin Barlow out of Newton is uh, is committed. He's remained committed. The Frogs had to fight off USC. They they had to keep Florida State at arm's length. This this was a national recruiting battle that the Frogs were able to win. Tell us a little bit about his weekend visit and and what the Frogs were able to do to impress upon him and his family the need to be at TCU. Yeah, I mean, it, it It really you hit the nail on the head, Jeff. He he really became a national recruit after the early signing period because a lot of the great running backs were already signed. And, and really, if you look at Texas, between him and DeAndre Glass, those two were, were really the only two uh, top running backs in Texas that weren't signed. And, and everyone knew that Glass was going to go to Oklahoma State. But people started really coming uh, coming on after uh, after Darwin, USC, Florida State, we all knew that, you know, I mentioned back in December that USC was a possible visit just because I'd been told that the family really wanted to, particularly his mom wanted to get out and see California. And even before, even before the stuff started coming out about Florida State, it was just, I posted on the board, but it was just my assumption that this kid could be looking at Florida State just because of all the stuff that I heard about them wanting to take a visit to USC. Why not try to go visit Florida at the same time? Get out of tiny Newton, Texas. You don't get to take a lot of official visits, especially to uh, one weekend going to the West Coast and another weekend going to the East Coast. But uh, uh, TCU just did a, a really good job of, of holding on to him. And they convinced the family to come in um, this last weekend. He was supposed to come the, the previous weekend, but he had tonsillitis. So he had only gone to school for one day, and, and really it wasn't ideal for him to come down and, and take a visit with him just getting over his sickness. But uh, it, it was good for him to come down. The dad took off, which the dad really doesn't take off for work a whole lot, but he came down. The mom was down, and uh, his sister, big sister from North Texas, came down, and they all enjoyed the trip. And the, the good thing about it was he was the only uh, official visitor on campus this weekend, so he, he had a really – a uh, good chance to be uh, just just really shown attention, the so to speak, roll out the red carpet, I guess you could say, and and really they just the, the coaches just hit a home run. And I've been saying all along, it it doesn't surprise me that he's sign going to sign with TCU because this is what I've been telling you guys for weeks and weeks that the TCU coaches felt very confident. Uh, in Darwin. And, and I think looking back, he probably wishes he probably could have signed back in December uh, when he had the early signing period. But uh, it, it was really evident the last couple of weeks that he was he was going to be sticking with TCU and, and was just ready to be over with the process. But it, it's just a, a great job by the coaches hanging on to him. Jeremy Modkins uh, did a really, really good job uh, with the family. Uh, Coach Looper went down to Newton at one point. And, and really the thing that changed this this whole recruitment that just solidified everything is when uh, they they last visited Newton, which was uh, with Coach P, Zarnell Fitch, Coach Looper, Jeremy Mockins. They spent basically the whole day in Newton. And they went to the mom's school. They went to the dad's job. And, and it, it just really showed uh, Barlow's family how much TCU truly wanted him. And I, I think that that's sometimes what you need to see as families and, and, and even as recruits that you you just don't feel like a number. You you really feel it that, that you want to be wanted. And TC did a really good job. <laughs> you send those four guys down there, uh, <laughs> especially with Fitch and Looper, and it, it's very tough for, uh, for a kid to say no to those two guys. So just, just a great job by TCU all the way around, just the – within the last week, they just really solidified everything. 
Man, you talk about bringing out the big guns for a for an official for a home visit. I mean, that's that's about as big as it can get. You might as well have brought the whole entourage to be able to seal that deal. I it, I I saw the I think it was the video of the fish flying down there or loading the plane or loading onto the plane to fly down there. And I thought, man, they're they are bringing out the big guns and they are not wasting time. So good to see them get on the ground down there to to be able to lock up that recruit huge huge recruiting battle. Sometimes it's not just I mean, you get a kid committed, but then you got to keep him committed, right? And in some ways, I mean, this kind of leads into my next question, which is, has the early signing day made it easier to hold on to those kids that are signing late or are close with a handful of kids when you got, you know, 85% of your class kind of already in the barn? Is it, have you been able to pick up from the staff or just your observations from following recruiting? In what ways has the early signing day changed? Some, maybe for better, maybe for the worse with this this second signing day that used to be the whole thing. Well, I, I think. And from TCU's perspective, they like it. I, I know Coach Patterson has gone on on record a few times saying that he likes it because, really, if you look back, they had 24 commitments at the time, and 22 of them signed early. So you only had the two Newton kids, Darwin and, and Tamazier, that didn't sign, and so that lets you focus on the guys that you really want to go out and target. Guys like Dylan Jordan that they were able to get, guys like Earl Barquette that they were able to get, Keon Stewart. And and really put your focus on those because you it in January it it was almost uh, as much as not just trying to fill your cra- class but trying to keep your class and and really when you sign these guys in December it takes a lot of that stress away and you still got to show the love and, and and you know I know some people when we were talking about Brett Seether and and whether or not Coach Patterson was going to visit with him and, uh, and and I and I made a post about him going to see Carter Johnson. And people are kind of like, why is he going to see Carter? We need to go see Seether. Well, the part the part of Carter Johnson in December, he told Coach Patterson, hey, Coach, make sure all the guys are, are sealed up in, in December. You don't have to worry about me. I'm signing. Go and finish our class. Go finish the go, – go surround the class with good guys and, and make us successful. And so Coach P felt like, you know, I never made it in home with him in December. He signed with me. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go spend my visit with him now. He he's earned that right for me to come visit with him. It's not that he didn't want to go see Brett either, because at that point, Keon Stewart was already silently committed, so they didn't have any more scholarships available. And I couldn't I couldn't write that out on the board and and make that any more obvious. But it, it that's how it all worked out. But it, it, as far as the early signing period, I mean they 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 enjoy it, and I think. Uh, you know, if you look around the conference, most most teams in the conference signed a majority of their class early, and it it really, uh, besides the case of Darwin, where you had to fend off USC and Florida State, there really wasn't a whole lot of drama of holding on to kids. There there really wasn't, and I mean, you had to fight you had to fight uh, for Dylan Jordan, but. Really, if if you're only having to fight those battles with with maybe two or three guys, compared to 25, 26 guys that you have to focus on in January, yeah, the coaches coaches they they'll take that any day of the week. They they love the early signing period. You know, a couple thoughts on that I wanted to share. One, you, you mentioned Brett Seether, the, the the tight end that the Frogs had had serious interest in, had him on campus before Christmas, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some people were saying, hey, we Let's make room for him, or, or why do we not have room for him? Well, the bottom line is he had a spot, right. and then all of a sudden he started looking other places. Well, the Frogs just can't hold that spot forever. They have needs to fill as well, and let's just be honest here. When you're going down to a national signing day battle between Alabama, Georgia, and TCU, uh, you know why, why, you know, I'm not saying don't put resources in, but that, that's, that's a pretty easy equation. Yeah. And if he had a chance to commit and he had, uh, a, you know, a spot waiting there, he is communicating verbally or non-verbally, I'm not going to commit right now. Well, the Frogs have can't just sit there and wait until February 4th to decide what to do with that last scholarship right. spot. Exactly they got to get right. active and figure out what to do with their stuff and say, hey, we're going to hold a spot. Or, or we're gonna we're not gonna fill the spot. We're gonna wait until we can have another number for for a grad transfer that might show up later on in the year, or for a, a, a you know a, some more numbers that we want to have for the next cycle. So yeah. there, you know, I, I know you say this all the time, but recruiting is just constantly moving and reshaping, and numbers change and commitments changes. The other thing I do like about early signing day is uh, 
you get a kid like like Dylan who maybe in you know I don't know what you know he didn't sign early and maybe at that time he would have taken a, a commitment from like say a a, a Texas you know a North Texas or an Arkansas State or uh, or or an, or an Iowa State pre Matt Campbell. That's the kind of program that maybe in December he could have said, I'm going to commit to this. But he knew he had that early signing day where everybody's going to get their board started, you know, 80% filled in. And then he's going to see what other options are out there. And then TCU was able to, to play that really well in order for him to fill that. The upside of that early signing day also is, let's say you got a kid that uh, is really good. And then people start to realize how, what, that he's amazing. And that's when Texas starts to come in, or, or and then we get we get to do everybody else's recruiting work. If Carter Johnson hadn't, I mean, I know that this is kind of a a, a, ro, a a faux example because he was firmly committed the entire time. But a player like Carter Johnson, if if people get a chance to evaluate him in December at a Michigan, at an Oklahoma, they're gonna you know they're gonna say, hey, let's let's take all of January to put him at the front of our recruiting yeah. uh, process. They can just say, hey, we, we've had him locked up since December. So you can get those kind of guys on board and you don't have to fight off other guys. You don't have to fight off other programs. I remember I followed this long enough that I remember back, you know, 14, 15, 16, where we got guys that have been committed to us since July. And then you're like, it's mid-January and he might be taking a trip to Oklahoma State. It's mid-January and he might be taking a trip to Ole Miss. And you're like, I thought he'd been committed to us the whole time. Right. You don't have to put all this energy that, that the staff might find out through a message board that a kid's going to you know, take a trip to a school that hadn't shown him any interest, hadn't invested in him at all. And so I see why the staff likes the early signing day because you can still find some gems, but you can also lock down the guys that you wanted that you've done the hard work of evaluating and recruiting and investing and building relationship in with. And that's why I... This is my favorite class that I've seen. And I know I sound like a total homer, but I don't care what the evaluations say. What I see and what I know the Frogs need, this class is amazing. And I look at I look at Max, I look at the two running backs, I look at Carter Johnson, I look at being able to hand on, hand, hold on to Andrew Coker. That's another guy. If we didn't have an early signing day, everybody and their cousin would have been you know, showing oh, yeah. up at his house yeah, in January. Sure. Frogs able to hold on to him. This is, this is a really good class, and I think it played out well that the staff knew what they were doing with the set first and second signing day. And I think you're going to see the fruit of that on the field over the next couple of years. Yeah. And, and Carter's a good example because I, I think he is one of those players that had he not signed in December, you would have saw a ton of schools coming back around for him. And, and, and there were even December that uh, were coming around. I was told that there was, there was around 20 schools that had, had visited Pickerington central, his, his high school, uh, basically the two weeks leading up, until the early signing period. And for me personally, I think if he would have been ranked where he is now, or maybe just about 10 spots higher overall as a defensive tackle, Ohio State probably would have came in. Ohio State's one of those schools where you can't really recruit three stars because their fans freak out. And I know for a fact that Ohio State knew about him and, and looked at him and simply didn't offer just because of where he was ranked. And that's, that's what some Dang. of those blue bloods do. Because they 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 can't yes. they can't you know take the heat from their fans that way, but the 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 fact of the matter is yes the the early signing period is is, is great. Dylan Jordan's a, a, another great example that you mentioned because the the kid only he, it, had he signed if he wanted to go play major college football before uh, the the early signing period. I think Nebraska might have offered him. What I can't remember what what the date was for the early signing period. Does anyone remember? Is it December? I think it was December 18th. I think it was December 19th, 18th, 18th, 18th through the 21st. Yeah. I think it was. So I think yeah. Nebraska offered December 15th, but before them, it was only Utah state. I mean, Utah state was the only FBS offer he had. And he waited out the process mm-hmm. because I think he knew that more schools were going to come through. And obviously TCU had already shown him interest and already hit. And he could have gone to Utah state tomorrow. That, that would yeah, have been there. Yeah, exactly right. But he waited. He was patient, and and really, you know, after his senior film got out, now he's considered one of the top linebacker prospects in the country, and and TCU gets a four star four star linebacker out of the whole deal. So, um, and just the way uh, they were able to close, because again, you don't have to focus so much of your time and energy on twenty. Imagine if they didn't have an early signing period. And they had to focus on all the commitments that they have right now in their class. 
there's no way they could have done that. And it, there's no way they could have been as, as successful. It, and I say that, that not just for TCU, I say that for every program. It's, 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 it's gotten so much better. I think they still need to uh, reshift some of the, the way they do official visits in the spring, because now you have uh, people taking official visits in, in March and April. And it, I, I was thinking about this other day when I was, when I was looking at the 2020 class, just, you know, when is this going to, when is commit going to happen? And we'll talk about that later, but it, it just last this last year, I think Max was committed in April. There were some other kids committed before that Donovan Collins was committed forever. I think when he, before even his junior season. So uh, it, I, I think overall the, the early signing periods here to stay, they might tinker with some rules, but, Overall, I know for a fact, 100% guaranteed, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Gary Patterson loves that early signing period. Good to know. Good to know. Well, we're going to take five, six minutes here and go through some listener questions. So, Jeremy, you got. I'm going to give you these. I want you to give me short, tight answers, and we're going to try to get through as many of these as we can. You ready to go? Let's go. What's the biggest positive surprise of all the early enrollees so far? One name. <clears throat> Uh, Adam Plant, been told Adam Plant's worked out really good and he's, uh, you know, doing well in off season and they got high expectations for him. Runs well. Good. We're, we need all the help we can get at defensive end. That's for sure. Uh, what's the strangest recruitment story from this cycle for TCU, whether it's a kid we landed or a kid we didn't, maybe you want to wait until after, uh, the ink is dry to tell these, but what's a good story you got off the top of your head of a strange recruitment story of this cycle? Man, that's that's a tough one. Uh, probably the Marcel Brooks, because uh, you know his he was extremely high on TCU early on, and then he wasn't, and then he was extremely high again on TCU, and then when he even when he was committed to LSU, he was still talking heavily to TCU, and that's when I was talking about if you guys remember me talking about a a four star player in the area that was considering TCU again, it was Marcel Brooks. And I had mentioned to a few people that he might be looking around and automatically people were assuming it was Texas. And I never even mentioned Texas, but people did some investigation and found out that he was listening to some other schools. And uh, uh, he, he was really listening to TCU, but it, it never came to fruition. And, and he ended up signing with LSU. But that's probably the, I guess you couldn't really say it's strange, just Kind of one of those deals where you thought something might happen, but it never ended up coming together. What's one player that the Frogs missed on in this class that uh, you wish they could have landed? And, and by missed on, they needed to have been on campus, the guy says. Gonzo Frog gives us this question. Who's the kid we got on campus that we didn't land that you wish we would have? Oh, man. Uh, gosh, they had some. I got you. I got Jalen Cattle on. No, I, I really, I don't, I don't think him. Okay. Um, I would say either Marcel Brooks or maybe Damani Richardson. I really like both those kids. I like, I like Damani Richardson a lot. I thought that if, if there was a guy that that they could really get, it would have been him. Um, but you know, there's <laughs> so much more involved than than just schools, I guess you could say. But. Uh, <laughs> It's, it, you are so understated about the obvious. I love well, that. Well, there's girlfriends <laughs> and everything else involved. So, but uh, but no, but he he, I mean, he had a great relationship with the staff, and and you know, I thought early on, yeah. he, even when TCU offered early on, they were they were considered a favorite, and then A and M came into the picture. But yeah, he was he was probably the one he visited campus a couple times that they never uh, uh, ended up getting. But I know they they recruited them, stayed on them, and then. Finally, they just gave up after a while. Okay. All right. Uh, Warfrog gives me the best question. It's uh, real quick. I want you to answer this one, Jeremy. Could you re- please rank every player yep. ever recruited by TCU since its first year of college from lowest rated recruit to the highest? Could you put them in rank order? Uh, what's their current height, weight, 40 time? Where did they sign? Where are they now? Percentage of the Frogs head of signing them? Uh, thanks and God bless. <laughs> thanks and God bless. So that's a no. Okay, that's a no. <laughs> Sorry, Warfrog, we're not able to answer your question. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll just dedicate an entire show to that down the road. Uh, maybe uh, not. maybe you can. I'll I'll start developing not. a cough before we air that one. 
that sounds good. <laughs> Just turn your head. Um, who, who do you think is the biggest sleeper in this mm. class? Who's the kid that's maybe under the radar that everybody's like, oh, I'm glad we got his commit that you think might be able to be. I look at it as a, a three-year contributor yeah. when a kid is a, you know, plays well. What do you, who do you have? You know, I really like Josh Foster. Uh, the more and more I watch him, seeing him in person, just seeing, and I've said this a few weeks now, and I think I even did a story on it where I called him the biggest sleeper. Um, but he's got he's got good size. I think he could he could play weak safety. He reminds me so much of Chris Hackett. He just has great ball skills, but he's faster than Chris, and he's he's athletic. And I don't know if anyone saw my tweet the other night with him just slamming the basketball. I mean, just freakish freakish dunk. But that's the kind of athleticism he has, and he's smart. He's a very very smart player, and I I don't expect him to come in right away and see the field early, but. I, I do think he could be one of those guys maybe after a redshirt year and really going forward from maybe his redshirt sophomore year to the end of his career, just being a guy that TCU fans recognize uh, they they like his ability and, and he's a, he's a guy that we'll probably be talking about as an all-conference type and, and look, you know, four or five years ahead, we're probably talking about him as being yet another guy that was underrated like a Ty Summers, like a Ben Banigou or LJ Collier that has really not necessarily got onto draft boards, but just really had good careers that it just is another feather in Gary Patterson and his coach's hat uh, for the way they develop players. And, and I think Josh is definitely, uh, I think he definitely fits that mold. I'm going to go with Zach Marchaselli. Did I say that yeah, right? Yeah, Out of Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. I. 6'2", 220, he's a wrestler. He he looks like a bigger, stronger Garrett Wallow to me. I, I think he's gonna I think he's gonna be the guy that his first year they're not gonna be able to keep him off the field for special teams. And then he's gonna just go out there and pop some guys a sophomore year and then he'll he'll probably I could see him be two, three year starter and uh be become a fan favorite just because of his ability to hit. You know, he's rest he's not wrestling at two twenty. Yeah. He's gonna be able to put on some weight. So I'm really looking forward to seeing him. Really looking forward to seeing him. Uh, the Frogs have been the four, third ranked program or the third best recruiting class for the third fourth straight year. So the last four years, they've been just behind Oklahoma. They've been behind only Oklahoma and Texas. Um, what do you think that says about TCU recruiting in the Big Twelve? They can't recruit. Obviously, they can't. I thought this whole I mean, class was terrible. I was told this yeah, class was just, trash. It's going down, man. Just trash. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean it's it's just. They, they've just really – people want to go to TCU. I mean, you're, Texas and Oklahoma are always going to get their guys. No matter how bad they do, they're, they're still always going to get the guys. And, and I've had this argument with people in, until I'm blue in the face, but they, they don't want to – some people just don't want to listen. Some people get – literally get pissed off because Gary Patterson won't lie to kids. Mm-hmm. And the, the fact of the matter is, is, is he's not going to go in there and, and none of his coaches are going to go in there because he tells them not to. They're not going to go in there and say, "Hey, you're gonna, you're a five star. You're going to start right away, man. You're gonna, you don't even have to do nothing." I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like he's going to tell them what they need to hear. And so for some of these higher ranked kids that have just coasted through high school and, and they haven't really been told what to do, and they could do what they want to do, it's it, TCU is not the place for them. They would, they don't last. And I think we could go back and see that with some of the guys that they've gotten in the past, some of the higher ranked kids particularly on defense offense. It's a little bit different because he's not in, as much involved, but he's not going to, he's not going to take the kind of guys that he knows he can't coach up. And what I mean by coaching up. Yeah. He's going to get in your face. Yeah. He's going to argue with you. Yeah, he's going to yell at you. Yeah. He's probably gonna make you cry, but he's going to, he's going to develop you as a player. He's going to get you better. He's going to get the most out of you. And for some kids and some of their families, they, they don't hear that. They don't. They they want to hear. They want to hear the place where people are telling them what they want to hear. They're not telling them what they need to hear, and that's what Coach Patterson does. And, and that's what, for whatever reason, I I I can't understand it. I wake up in the middle of the night screaming because I can't understand how any TCU fan could want him to just do what others do. Just tell them what they want to hear so we can get them because then we can puff out our chest and say we got a five star. And we're kick-ass now because we got a five-star. It doesn't work that way. So just recognize, Texas and Oklahoma are always going to get their kids. TCU is finding the kids that 
it sounds cliche. They got the chip on the shoulder. Yeah. But they're starting to get more kids that they, that had offers from USC, had offers from Florida state, Notre Dame, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state. It's, it, it's not the, the recruiting of the mountain West anymore. They are going head to head with some of the true blue bloods of college football and they're winning these battles. And, do I think they'll ever have a, a top 10 recruiting class or uh, even a top two recruiting class in the big 12 or even the top one? I don't know. I it just recent history or even not even recent, but the time coach Patterson's been at TCU, uh, you know, they, they, as I mentioned on my soapbox a minute ago, they, they don't tell kids what they, what they want to hear. And, and for some of those five and four star recruits, it, it, it doesn't work for them that way. And, and they, and they want to go to different places. And if TCU continues to recruit at a, at a top three level in the big 12 with the way those coaches coach and, and the knack they have for de- developing players, they'll always be in a competitive state for the big 12 championship. That is correct. That is correct. I just gonna want to go ahead and say cosign to everything you just said. So, good answer, my friend. Good answer, my friend. Uh, let's see here. Let's get one last question in. We had a lot of good ones here. Um, what made the difference for Catalan going to Arkansas instead of TCU? I mean, keep it short, but like I, maybe I'm wrong. I seemed like maybe I was wrong. Is that a recruiting battle we're not going to regret losing? Uh, I don't think so to be honest with you. Uh, and I like Jalen okay. as a kid. Jalen's a great kid. And, and Jalen did every Jalen did everything yeah, right yes. throughout the process. I don't have anything bad to say about him. I mean, he, he's, he's really mm-hmm. uh, just polite kid. And, and I think that he, he treated the process the way it should have been treated. He talked well about every school that was recruiting him and he, he did his thorough evaluation. I think for him, he just probably saw Arkansas as a spot that, uh, may I've said this a lot of times, and I know sometimes you guys agree with me. Sometimes others don't agree with me. But for some of these kids in in the DFW area, I, I, I say it's a great thing for TCU to be in the DFW area. But I also say it's sometimes a bad thing to be in the DFW area because some of these good recruits don't want to go forty five minutes from home. They don't want to go thirty minutes from home. Baron Browning doesn't want to go twenty five minutes from home. They want to get out and venture out a little bit further from home, get a couple hours away. And I think truly that's kind of what Jalen was looking at. I I know obviously his parents like TCU would have liked him to stay close to home. Arkansas did a good job. Arkansas, uh, when they hired Chad Morris, he made a promise to the Arkansas boosters. Hey, we're going to control that I-20 corridor and we're going to do whatever it takes to do that. And, that's they they did a good job with with offering his teammates Torian Carter and, and Jackson, uh, but you know with with Catalan I I don't know how he's going to fit into the SEC I don't know if he's going to fit well as a as a safety a five nine safety that's let's face it he's got four seven speed he looks faster on a football field but when he tests he runs a four seven and to me I think probably Arkansas just the mind that Chad Morris is. I think they eventually switch him to offense. And there's a lot of people that have that same opinion as me that uh, maybe he's not an SEC, especially an SEC West safety, but he could be become one of those guys that, that can carry the football, be like a running back slot top guy. And because he was really good in high school at that too. Everyone talks about him playing safety, but he was a really a, a really good running quarterback as well. He, he could make some plays on offense. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think all of that kind of contributed to his decision and, and maybe I, everyone says, Hey, it was because of his teammates going there. I, I think that was probably the lowest of the factors. Um, because Jalen, like I said, he, he's a smart kid. Uh, and I know he didn't choose Arkansas because it's the sec or because of bright lights. I, I think it's just genuinely where he felt like he could fit in best. Well, there's no bright lights in Arkansas. Let's just kind of get that out there. So um, may- maybe the parking lot at oh Walmart boy. outside of Harrison, but that's about it. Oh, boy. There it is. I had to drop that. Um, 
Well, let's go ahead and pivot off of National Signing Day and the questions around that. Uh, you know, first of all, soak it all up. Tomorrow is a good day. You get that whole class, um, you know, finalized. You get a couple new guys that are signing. Uh, but we're already looking to 2020. We'll talk. We'll, we'll wrap up the show with some 2020 talk. But we should probably, uh, regrettably, unfortunately, talk about the basketball program. Did Did any of you guys happen to unfortunately watch the Baylor game this last Saturday? Oh heck yeah! Um, actually, I. Instead of that, I was taking a pencil and shoving it in my eye. <laughs> that or should I bad. say, should I say, just a highlighter in my eye? <laughs> yes, that's about what it felt like. Frogs get blown out down there in in Waco, so they they split with with Baylor this year in Big Twelve play. Well, you know, both we won one in Fort Worth, lost down there. I feel like the team's kind of teetering on on losing it. I mean, I'm not saying that it's like an indictment of the program, but, you know, they've got guys that are sick. They've got guys that are transferring. You know, they, they obviously lose the game to Baylor. Jeremy, what, what's, kind of, what's kind of your assessment? Here we are in, in the, early, the beginning of February. Are the Frogs, you know, I, I, I think it's safe to say they're a bubble team right now. Yeah, and, and I was looking through the schedule trying to figure out where they're going to get their wins, but, their defense has just really, really played bad. Perimeter defense in Waco was absolutely uh, against perimeter. Oh, it, it was you know I, after Baylor hit their second three, I started taking shots for every three Baylor up, had, yes. and I didn't wake. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't wake up till six p.m. the next day. I so mean, you missed, I was you missed out. church, but you know, the, <laughs> absolutely. I mean. <laughs> no, you know, to be honest with you, I'm on my daughter's club volleyball oh, so you're schedule definitely now. Missing church. And yeah, I'm up at, I'm up at 4:45 oh. oh. Sunday morning, you know, trying to trying to make sure she's up and we're out and hitting the road for an hour drive to go be at a tournament so we can be there to ref at 7:20 and play our yeah. game at 9 a.m. Yeah, it fun fun oh. times, man. Three, four three years, more years. Yeah, but anyway. But anyway, but no, I mean, I mean, what, what Baylor between Texas Tech and Baylor, you had twenty four three pointers made, not attempted, but made in those two games, fifteen against Baylor. And you know, when I was watching the Baylor game, it, it was it was painfully obvious that Desmond Bain did not feel well. Um, he was sick earlier in the week. He missed some practices. And to be honest with you, I, I don't know if if it would have mattered. Because it, it was just one of those games where Makai Mason and he, he just he just goes off and hits a career high nine three. The kid couldn't miss, and it it's crazy because you get games like that. I mean, Kawat Noy had a game like that against Oklahoma where he couldn't miss, and we were talking to Alex Robinson about this on Monday, and just seeing, just asking, hey, what do you do when you come across that? Is it is it how tough is it to overcome when you play against someone like that and where no matter what you do, you just can't overcome it. And he just said, man, it's like that every, uh, all the time in the big 12 where someone can go off any, any given game. And he's right. I mean, Motley did it last year against him. Uh, Mason, obviously this year, um, Trey young last year with Oklahoma. It's just, and Kawhi, as I mentioned a second ago, did it against Oklahoma. Desmond Baines had those top games, but the the defense has just got to get better. I don't know if it's because of the limited number of bodies. I will say this: you know, Caden Archie's got to be kicking himself oh, yeah. in the butt because that kid probably would have he he probably would have been getting a ton of minutes right now if he'd have just remained patient and just just stuck it out for a little bit. But that's what you get when you get some of these top one hundred players where they think. Hey, I was a all-American AAU guy, and I could walk into any major college basketball program and and play 25 minutes a game and and average 12 points a game and and eight re- rebounds. And with kids like that, they don't have any patience. So where is he going now? He's going to UTEP. I mean, UTEP. He he could seriously be playing a ton of minutes right now, but it's it's not only the defense. the The offense hasn't been clicking. Uh, it, crazy enough against Baylor, they only had two turnovers on offense in the first half. So they were playing near flawless basketball, but they just couldn't do anything on defense. And Baylor was hitting every shot that they put up. It's just amazing to me how Baylor has completely transformed their program or not their program, just the team this year after losing their best player. 
Tristan Clark's gone. Everyone's thinking, okay, well, Baylor's going to, they're going to be down in the cellar. They're sticking in first place and they're playing small ball. They've got guys like Mark Vidal that are six foot five that are out jumping six foot 10 Kevin Samuel on the jump ball and on rebounds. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. Like they're getting away with murder. They have. (laughs) (laughs) Boo. Boo this man. (laughs) But no, I just, it, if you look at their schedule, I think they could beat Oklahoma State tomorrow, and I think they'll beat them in Stillwater, and I think they'll beat Oklahoma when they play them at home. But other than that, I don't see I don't see any – those are guaranteed wins, in my opinion. I think TCU has, has shown me enough that I know they could beat those teams. I don't think they could beat Kansas at home. I don't think they could go on the road and beat Texas. I don't think they could beat Kansas State at home. I don't think they could beat Iowa State at all. And I think, believe it or not, even though TCU beat West Virginia by 30 points at home, I think they would struggle on the road at West Virginia. I mean, they beat Kansas up there. And if if there's any if there's any any doubt in that statement, just look at the way that they beat Bla- Baylor at home. It was a close game, but they were beating Baylor pretty handily all the way up until the final minutes of that game. And just look at the way Baylor took them to the woodshed on Saturday. That game was not even no, close. it was not ever. That Baylor beat beat their beat their butts basically from start to finish. As soon as they went up eight to seven, they never looked back. Or nine to eight, they never looked back. It was over. The game was over from that point on. And and, and they they not only beat them, they stomped them. That was not even a game. They they completely humiliated TCU's offense, defense. They outcoached them. They made them. It, it's it's the it's the worst I've seen them look. As crazy as it sounds, they looked horrible against Texas Tech on Monday. They looked twice as bad against Baylor twice on Saturday bad. and it, it it's crazy because in, in the limited time we've seen coach Dixon and, and, and the transformation that he's had on this program it, it's crazy to see it's it's almost unbelievable that you see TCU play that kind of basketball now because we hadn't seen it in three years and now it's kind of it's it's drudging up those old memories like man is this really a is this really a good team and, and they're they know that there's some doubters out there and, and rightfully so. I don't think how, I don't see how anyone it's just like in, in the football, you know, when people are predicting, no, oh, I think TCU can win 35 to 30. How in the world do you think they're going to score 35 when they've been averaging 14 points a game? All are you of a picking sudden? on me? Are you picking I on mean, me? Come on. No, I'm not picking on you. I'm picking on. Dan. I have no, I'm just, no I, I'm, I'm just talking. I'm just talking I about, know. you know, people, people get, people get the purple shaded glasses on and, you know, a lot of people think realistically, but I don't, I don't know. It's going to take a lot for me to be convinced that they can turn this, turn this thing around and really get off the bubble because, you know, it's funny because they're they're still in the conversation and they should, they should be, they're still in the conversation. But I mean, if they finish six and 12 in conference, I mean, do they? Make I the think tournament? they have to win seven Dude, games, I mean, and I it, think they got to win a game in Kansas City, maybe yeah. two. Yeah, so it's it's going it to be tough. It's, it's going to be, be very real tough. tough. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be uh, the 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 good thing is is that they got six of their last mm-hmm. ten games at home, and they're undefeated yep. at home right now. So if if they could if they could somehow squeeze out uh, an upset. Maybe over Texas Tech, maybe over Kansas. I think Kansas is beatable this year. I think if there's one, if this is a year Kansas is going to be dethroned, it will be this year. Um, and 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 obviously, uh, they they could beat Oklahoma State at home. So if they if they can get just the the games they have at home that I think they should win, and and Stillwater the two Oklahoma State games and winning against Oklahoma and maybe still a win here or there against Kansas. In Kansas State, maybe, then I could see them making it to the tournament. But man, it's it's a long shot for me right now. I got to see a difference. It is a long shot. So keep an eye on the basketball program between now and the Big Twelve tournament because I think it's going to be determined before they get to Kansas City, really, whether or not they make the tournament. So keep an eye on that. 
All right, to wrap up, Jeremy, we've had some kids on campus here for our 2020 class. Uh, just real quick, give us some quick hits of some kids that we've had on campus that uh, uh, maybe you know express some serious interest in the frogs, and then who might we be predicting, and when might we be predicting of the frogs getting their first 2020 commitment? Man, the the timeline for that's going to be tough because I I really don't know it, and I'm surprised by it because it's it just hasn't happened. It and really the last man, I I just off the top of my head without doing any research, I'm pretty sure uh, the eight, the nineteen, eighteen, seventeen, sixteen, all the way down to the fifteen that you at least had one commitment um, from a kid. Uh, basically in January before his senior year, you know what I mean? At the same timeline. Uh, and, and for them not to have one right now, it's kind of indicative of, of, of what you, what, what you looked at last year with their seven and six season. I think some people are obviously turned off by that. Not as much as people make it out to be uh, recruits. If they're only looking at win loss records, they're not looking at the whole picture. Um, they, they need to be looking at a, a, a lot more than, just, just the record. Um, they need to be looking overall at the, the whole scheme of things, the whole program, not, and not just one season, but they've had some, they've had about 30 guys on campus the last two weeks, um, between 2020, 2021, 2022 kids. Uh, the, the first weekend they had Haynes King. I think he's the number one quarterback. Matter of fact, he is the number one quarterback on their board. And I know that was one of the questions that, that uh, someone had asked, how did how did Hanks King become the number one target for Sonny over over Brendan Lewis? And and all I could tell you is that he has a he has Go the watch the state championship that, that game. Brendan That's has. your answer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, and I like Brendan. I like Brendan a lot, but Brendan he doesn't have he doesn't have the kind of arm that Haynes does. He's he's strength wise. I'd say Brennan has a little bit stronger arm, but Haynes definitely has a more accurate arm. Um, both of them are extremely comparable in, in speed, I, and I think Haynes is probably a little bit faster. Uh, and I know I know both of them have have good speed and, and put some yards on the ground. They're both dual threat guys, but I think the the, the one thing you look at it is the competition. Haynes plays at the, the highest level. In, in Texas football, which essentially to me is the highest level in the nation, you play class 6a football in texas you're playing against the top competition in the nation that every week especially out there in east texas and the kid yes. put up crazy just crazy numbers 3800 passing yards i think six or seven hundred yards on the ground and he led longview to a 16 and 0 record a state championship and the best thing about it he's a coach's son he's the head coach's son out there in longview so you know he's got you know, he's always the first kid there and the last one to leave. Exactly. Brings his launch he's pal to like practice. Coach on the yeah, field. he is another yep. coach on the field. Uh, I mean, just yeah. he, he's <laughs> – You'd like him to date your daughter. You know, although she, if she's in junior high and he's in high school, maybe not. <laughs> Go ahead. I know you got more. Come on. No, that's all I got. I'm stopping. Are you sure? I'm stopping. I, you know, Come on. I, I, you gotta, I am you got, You know, it's – you know, he might there's some of the intangible, you know, some of the measurables he might not have, but his heart, he's got a five star heart. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? Is that good? Is that enough? Actually he's he got good. He's got, he's got, got good. <laughs> I know he does. I know he does. Oh man. All those things describe you and me. Like, uh, you know, we're not we're not big, but at least we're slow. Yeah, at least we're slow. <laughs> Uh, but hey, but the 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 running backs, I know, I know they're they're really looking to get a a running back for the class. Even though they they got two really good ones from 2019, they do still lose Darius Anderson and Shewo at the conclusion of next year. And and really, the only running back on the roster after that is Amari, and he's going to be a junior already. So mm-hmm. I mean, running back still going to be a need. So they they had Dominic Richardson out of Oklahoma City, Bishop McGinnis. He got an offer the first junior day. Uh, Landon Hullaby out of Bishop Dunn. I think we uh, spoke about him on the podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, but in this class, it's going to be, and I've, and I've heard about it. Trust me, I've heard it. It's not going to be big, and it's going to be more offensive focus. It, it's not. There's not okay. going to be. 
there's not going to be as many uh, defensive ends, obviously, as many defensive backs. Uh, you're you're going to see, obviously, quarterbacks a big need. Offensive line's always going to be a big need. Uh, the the uh, uh, receiver position, I think, is going to be a big need. And, and, and running back and tied in. Tied in was a big position that they had on uh, had on campus this past week. And the kid I really like – uh, that, that I knew they were going to offer, but I didn't want to jinx it, was Drake Dabney out of Cy Ranch. It's a kid that I know they've been recruiting. They they really liked him, and he's going to start – he he's going to continue to get more offers. He's, he, he started to blow up a little bit here in January. He's 6'6", he's 230, he's out of Cy Ranch. But, man, he's got, he's got good film. He's got great size. If you saw the guy wearing number 89 standing next to Coach P, looks about two feet taller than Coach P, that's him. Uh, they, they also, they also had, uh, the kid out, of uh, Bishop Dunn. I can't even say his name. It's a, it's a, it's a hard name to say. You can look it up. Uh, it, it, he's, he's got a ton of offers already. He's, he's already got, uh, offers from Texas, A&M. I don't know what that was. Are you, are you, uh, searching for his name? No, that was me. I, I knocked a chair over actually, <laughs> accidentally. Sorry about that. I was hoping Daniel I'm, I'm didn't sitting, pass out. No, I'm sitting in the the kids' wing of our church, and I was leaning back and almost fell over, so I had to pull a chair over. Oh, man. So, since you asked, that's what it was. I forgot to mute because I was going to make a joke, but I, I just should have <laughs> just kept it muted. When you said I can't say his name, I was going to make the Breaking Bad joke, say my name. Oh, that's one of the best episodes ever right there. Isn't it? Let's just stop this You're podcast and, and, and talk Breaking Bad. Let's relive all the greatness of Breaking Bad. You know, they're making the movie right now. They they're really? literally on location. Yeah, they're making a Breaking Bad movie. And I don't know the plot because clearly, you know, Walt is dead. Yeah. Uh, spoiler you know, alert. Uh, Jesse's. Yeah, spoiler uh, alert. Uh, okay, you're going to die. I hadn't finished the show. <laughs> okay what season are you in what season are yeah what, it, it, this, like there's like a, there's a statue of limitation to being able to talk Jeez, about a show Daniel? that ended in 2013 I've started it like three times <laughs> and now I don't have to I, no it's still great well, well telling you that, it's still great trust me telling you that Walt dies is like saying that Titanic ends in a, in a boat crash I mean, like, I have not heard that in. I've never heard an inkling that hinted to that ever. All I see is like what actually happened in the last scene, and it, yeah, you're not. You know, Tony Soprano gets shot at the end of of uh, the Sopranos too, and I'll stand supposedly. Supposedly, well, they're not bringing back that. James Gandolfini. I can promise you that. No, they're not. You know that they're shooting uh, a, a Sopranos movie yeah, right with now. his son. As the, yeah, as it's the young, gonna be set, younger version of him. Yeah, it's going to be set with uh, Johnny Boy and Uncle Junior and Dickie Moltisanti, who's Chris's dad. And then, uh, yeah, Tony's going to be played. Yeah, Tony's going to be played by his son. So it's it's going to be set in the late '60s in the Newark riots. It's going to be awesome. I have three of my favorite TV shows having movies come out this year: Breaking Bad, The Sopranos, and then go ahead and laugh at me, guys. Downton Abbey. Okay. Um. Yeah, I, I like all three of them. I love all three. Thank of them you great. so much for listening to the broadcast. <laughs> you don't like Downton Abbey, dude? I love Downton Abbey. You all right, know, so, I've, uh, I've yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. You know I'm single, right? So I'm not gonna watch that. <laughs> that's a good way to. That's a good way to land a girl. To be like. You know, honey, I really like Downton Abbey. You'd be like, really? Me too. And you'd be like, nah, I don't watch that crap. <laughs> well. My wife hated Downton Abbey. I watched, she watched it with me for a year and she's like, nah, I'm not watching that. I loved it. I loved what's, it. What's the but my wife liked that? Yeah. Of what? Downton Abbey? The British show. It's a That's British show about wealth and class and uh, hereditary garbage and, you know, like uh, who, who gets to inherit stuff. Oh, and the favorite in that show dies too, so I do know that. 
Yeah, there's a lot of people that die in that show. Yeah, not yeah, yeah. the the big one, Matthew or something Matthew like that. Matthew dies. Yeah, Matthew dies. Sybil so, dies. I hope everyone gets spoiled from me doing saying that too. So yeah. I wanted I wanted to play spoiler. Mm-hmm. To did you did you know fruity uh, British show? Yeah. Did you know that uh, Darth Vader dies and Han Solo? Sure, yes. you know that. Wait, Hans, son of a bitch! <laughs> Surely you know that. You didn't know that? Oh, come on, man. No! You know I don't do anything. I mean... <laughs> you, know, you know JR got shot. <laughs> okay, so... Oh. Hey, hold on. Wait. Is that enough? You, you got some... Screeching tires, sound effects. Well, I think we've officially not not with me. No, you got you got thirty seconds to recap twenty twenty. If you got one more thing, let's. Elijah Yelverton's the kid's name out of Bishop Dunn. He's 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 one of the top tight ends in the country. Brandon Frazier, the retired actor, has has uh, been reincarnated as a twenty twenty tight end prospect out of McKinney North. that's another guy that TCU really likes. How am I supposed to get back to recruiting talk after this Downton Abbey stuff? And and I just know. letting Daniel know that Han Solo's dead. <sighs> uh, That's anyway, all right. Star Wars died when Disney bought it anyway. That's true. That's very true. Um, but, you know, Ty, the, the other kid that I really liked that they offered recently was Ty Jordan. Um, Ty is he is so fast man he's out of west mesquite he is a slot type slash running back he's not very big he's only about five nine he's he's bulky though he's about 175 180 but he ran the fastest 40 time at a tcu camp last year he ran a 438 and, and that was the fastest time out of all the camps they had combined and he he really wanted that honor because he asked me, you know, what's the fastest time? And I and I told him, I said, you got to run around a four or three something to do it. And he, he ended up doing it. But he he's very versatile. He he can run the ball. He can catch the ball. And, and he would be a guy that uh, I, I think would fit the offense perfectly. And he's got – they've got some competition for him. I mean, he's, he's going to get a, a ton of offers this spring. He's already got – some good offers right now, um, but I think TCU would have a, a pretty good chance getting him on campus and, and and seeing what they can do as far as, as landing him. And TCU is one of those schools, even before he started to blow up, I was actually the first kid, not the first kid, first reporter to ever interview the kid uh, back back uh, last year around the same time, and, and he had no, no offers from anyone. And uh, – he always talked good about TCU back then. So I, I think TCU would be in pretty good position for him. But as far as the first commit, no clue. Jeff, I, I can't tell you. I, I have no clue. I, I think as, as far as uh, guys that, that I've talked to that have kind of told me some things, Marvin Mims seems like he's pretty close to four-star out of Fr- uh, Frisco Lone Star. Um, but right now it's close out to 2019 get ramped up for 2020 sounds good sounds good well i think we're gonna bring this hour and four minute episode to a close you guys got anything else to to share like you know tips on life how to how to you know train more obedient dogs or better places to eat or anything like that no no i did have one of my anything I did have a friend of mine, I texted you guys this, my buddy Brian Fail was my seminary professor, a really good guy. He wrote me and said that if we ever wanted, if we're all ever all in town at the same time, all four of us, that he would take us to Poncho's for, uh, for a meal. And he said that that rivals Del Frisco's. He'd take us to Poncho's uh, <laughs> and he'd buy you whatever scotch they sold at Poncho's, Daniel. He said whatever they had out there, he'd just give you all you wanted and pay for it. Um, so floor cleaner. <laughs> Yes, floor cleaner. I would have to pass on ponchos, man. Oh, I you'd pass it. it all right. <laughs> you Not me. It. I'd be there. Just make I, sure I wanted to be Peyton Fine. Who can, 
he can take me. Jeff will Skype you in. <laughs> Jeremy, you can stay home. I'm going to Poncho's. I'm going to Poncho's. That's like that's a that's one of God's great gifts to the world is is Poncho's Mexican buffet. I I want on my tombstone two things: one, raise the flag, and two, he really likes gravy. <laughs> raise the flag. Please. Raise the flag. Raise the flag. Raise the flag. Are hey, you do, ready for they do a have, They do have uh, good sopapillas. They do have I'll, good sopapillas. I will say that. That's that's the only thing I do like. Depending on your perspective, they have good everything. <laughs> yes. No. I've, I've never had a bad meal at Poncho's, but dude, when I was in seminary and I was broke, I, w- I would go to Poncho's and you get there about one and you just eat all that you could. We take our books and study and study. And drink coffee, and then about four thirty or five, you'd be like, "All right, I'm up for round two, and eat that." And man, I could carve up for days on end at Poncho's. It was great. <laughs> it was great. I love that place. I love being 22, 23 years old, and uh, you know, eight eight bucks. I could I could fill up for three days. I could do it. Heck great. yeah! Heck yeah, man! Heck yeah! That's what life is all about. If you don't have a good story of having two meals in one day on one ticket, it. Uh, at a buffet you haven't really been living so we'll call that good we'll call that good well we're going to bring this episode to a merciful end uh if you haven't yet please subscribe to us on itunes and uh, give us a rating and review we'd appreciate that also we've had a lot of new people that have joined us on horn frog blitz we had a great special you can still join though we'd love for you to come join horn frog blitz that's where you can kind of follow the ebb and flow and the ups and downs and inside information recruiting and tcu football and basketball Great, so you're one stop for everything you need to know about what's going on on the field and off the field for TCU Athletics. Baseball's just around the corner, so we'll be talking about that pretty soon as well. So until then, for Daniel and for Jeremy, I'm Jeff. Thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast.